Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. Hey, good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. And I have with me, I, I, we were just chatting before we started, and apparently it's been like nine or ten years since I've done an interview with Michael Brown, which is kind of, well, he's been out of the, he's been, he's been a little bit retired or a little bit out of the writing process. But I have interviewed him twice on the presence process and once on alchemy of the heart. And, you know, they... They both touched me very deeply. Um, they were very important, especially for what I was going through at the time. And I greatly appreciated them. And, of course, all of my work is about getting into the heart and, you know, choosing love over fear. And your processes, you know, they were instrumental because it really allowed me to I guess the word is acceptance, accept the ability to allow the emotions to move through me. And I think that that's such an important part because we, we tend to be a society that stuffs everything down and tries to forget anything that's uncomfortable. And, uh, so that's why I love having you on. And I'm so excited because you have written a sweet book called Cattails for Mariette. And well, as most of you know, I am very much a cat person. I have a beautiful white cat named Jasper, and uh, I don't know. I, I think you can see him on my little picture, Michael. <laughs> I, I can indeed. <laughs> he is he is everything to me. So yes. welcome to the show, Michael. I am again. Well, thank you. Very excited. Thank you. Thank you. So we wonderful thought- to talk to you again. It is. I thought we would just play because this is a very playful book, although it has some, you know, I guess some serious things around it. Um, it's why don't you tell us a little bit about the inspiration and then we're going to talk about cats because, you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> well, as with the first two books, it didn't start off as a book. Um, it's I. Uh, over the years, I've just had the most incredible encounters with cats, and um, some of them have been absolutely life-changing. And then, of course, cats became an important part of my life, um, being my company and um, um, setting the atmosphere in my home and welcoming my visitors and saying hello to me when, every time I wake up in the morning. So I, I got to a stage, I think it was in 2013, I decided – it would be a good idea to write down all these memories I have of encounters with cats before they they drift away. And so I wrote them all down in chronological order. And when I was done, it was very obvious they weren't long enough for a book, um, not even for a book of short stories. So I put them aside probably for about another six months. And then one day I was in the garden uh, pruning or something, and I just saw how to work with them that I would have to create a fictitious circumstance in which I could tell these stories to somebody. And I just sat down and started doing that, and it just went off by itself. There was actually really nothing I had to do but just keep writing and keeping up with it. And um, and then I submitted it to my publisher, 
And uh, they said, hmm, ha, we haven't done a book like this, and but we like it, but we, you know, we'll do it, and we like it. And then so we started working on it, and the editors got hold of it and um, and did some editing and then came back to me, and I did a whole lot more writing, and <laughs> I sent it back, and they rejected all of that, and they went back <laughs> to the original. And then they sent it back to me, and in that interim, one of the cats in the book had passed on, mm. uh, Bocci. And what happened was they sent me back um, the copy to edit and look over, and I still hadn't really processed that. So when I started reading it again, I said, oh, this is a horrible book. <laughs> I don't want to publish this book. And I actually contacted them and said, I'm not publishing this, please, you know, let's not publish it. And they said, okay, okay. And so that went on for another six months. And then I contacted uh, one of my editors. And I said to him, David, I don't have a copy of this book. I know I sent you a copy, but I don't have a copy on my files. And if you could just send me a copy for my files. And he wrote back an email and said, oh, we're so disappointed that you don't want to publish it. We think it's such a wonderful book. So I said, well, look, I'll give it a read again and just see what I think. And I started reading it and I thought, why would I not want to publish this book? <laughs> and... um and I realized why, that I, I, was, I hadn't quite integrated what had happened with Bocce. And I didn't want to start reading about cats when I was upset about something. So, um, so I said, no, let's publish it. And they all said, yay, let's publish. And so it went ahead. And um, I'm very pleased to have it out. And, and finally, I've written a book that every member of my family can read. <laughs> Um, and they all have read it, and they all have loved it. And the wonderful thing about this book is I get almost the same review or feedback from everybody that reads it, which I think is a good sign. Mm. <laughs> okay. Well, how much has South Africa played in your role with cats? I mean, that's that's where you were born, correct? Yes, it was where I was born. They the cats brought me back here. Yeah. Um, and actually the cat that brought me back, I think I wrote about it in the book. I would keep on dreaming of her um, sitting on my chest. Mm. And I would wake up and realize it was a dream and I'd be really upset. And I realized how much I missed my cats because they, had, they now belonged to somebody else. When I left South Africa uh, to, to go to the States, um, I, I did so without intentions of returning. And... Um, and um, so my cats had a new home, and um, but they, I would say, presence drew me back in some way. And then I moved here to Aberdeen, uh, which is very much like Arizona where I'd lived. Yes. And um, about three or four months after being here in Aberdeen, I had the same dream of presence being on my chest. So I phoned up Dot, who who was the uh, new owner of the cats. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you phoned because I have to move and I can't take the cats with me and I don't know what to do about it. And I just said, well, I'll pay your petrol and why don't you take a drive down here and load your car with the cats. And so they all came back mm -hmm. and we were all reunited. And um, it's wonderful, yes. No, it's been wonderful. <laughs> but even Presence has since passed on oh. since um, – uh, since the book, you know, oh. since I wrote, finished writing the book, so she's also left, and um, I now I have three new kittens, which are about five months old, and I still have uh, my two older cats, Big Guy and Chubbus Chubbus. <laughs> uh, so we have a new family, and Chubbus Chubbus has now three girlfriends, which he just adores. <laughs> <laughs> the life of cats, right? 
Yeah, the cats cats are very good at training us. You know, we train dogs, but cats train us. That's true. It's a very different type of relationship, and they are much quieter, more independent. They choose to live with us because they can leave the property at any time. And it's a very different uh, relating to cats to, to dogs. Dogs, I find, more needy. They really need you around. They actually can't survive in this world without us. Right. Whereas I, my cats eat a few mice each day. They are always out hunting around the property. And I know that if something happened to me and they were left on their own, they would actually continue and survive. And But if I had a dog and um, you know no one took care of it, it wouldn't survive. Mm. So it's a very different type of relationship. And also cats train us um, – how to, you know, to serve them. <laughs> and they really do. They, they really are very clever at, uh, you know, getting their meal times to what time they want to have it and, you know, all these sorts of things. And they're very insistent. And, yeah, and they like um, – the, the thing about cats, which is really interesting, is that um, for my cats, I leave food out all day. I don't have yeah. feeding time except if I give them wet food. Um, but I leave the nuts out all day because they don't eat like dogs. If you leave nuts out, the dogs will eat e everything in the bowl. Mm. They'll just eat until it's finished. And so you've got to, you can't leave nuts out for dogs all day. You've got to have a feeding times for them. But cats like being served. Mm -hmm. So they like the action of you putting food in the bowl. They don't have to be hungry or anything. They just like the fact that you're serving them. And um, they believe that they're royalty and that everyone should bow and serve. And um, that's quite cute when you see how they behave like that. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. I swear. He has me very well trained. I mean, he is very well trained. I happen, I live in a very urban city. However, I live sort of, it's so, it's so interesting. I live in an area called the beaches of Toronto. And yes. it's just, it's, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but you can't have any buildings that are more than three stories high. So it's mostly just houses and I'm very close to the water. And, and so I happen to be on a little street that's a side off a side off a side which allows him, you know, a lot of people in Toronto would never allow their cats to be outside. But I kind of feel that cats kind of need that. So he has a permanently open window, even in the winter. Um, although right now there's a little bit of problem with the baby raccoons that keep trying to come in or do come in. So we, yeah. and, and he's training me well on that too. You know, he lets me know it's, it's very, it's very interesting. He will wake me up somehow <laughs> to let me know he's at the window and I will open it up. So, or move the statue of Kuan Yin away so that he can come in. But, you know, cats are pretty amazing and it is so true about the feeding. I mean, he, he will, he will. He does very interesting things like lie on top of me or get very, very sucky when he wants food. And it becomes very clear, even though he may not be hungry, that that is what he wants. And he expects, I, you know, I set a terrible example of actually cooking him either salmon or whitefish every evening. So he sort of expects it. Rather, whether he eats it or not. You see how spoiled they are. I mean, <laughs> I that's that's exactly. They organize everything. They do. Um, uh, Chappas was a stray cat that I met here in Aberdeen. And it took him really, uh, it took him a week of coming back and visiting me and looking in the kitchen door to make sure everything was quite, you know, prim and proper. 
And then in one day, he moved in onto the couch. You know, I just had to hand him the remote to the TV, and he just <laughs> took over. And then I was serving him, and that was how it was. And that's how cats are. They're amazing. But they they draw people in. I notice even people who come here and visit me who are not cat people. And um, my family are not really cat people. Right. They're all dog people. Right. And I grew up around dogs. My stepfather was a dog breeder. His, uh, he loved dogs as much as I love cats. And um, he used to show dogs and he used to breed them also for the field, for, um, for uh, uh, hunting, uh, hunting fowl, fowl hunting. And um, his his biggest dream was to breed a dog that would be both a field trial champion and a, and a show dog champion. And he, he managed to accomplish that. But I was never exposed to cats around them because we could never have cats around us with so many dogs around. It was just impossible. Mm. But my family, when they come and visit me and are engaged by the cats, I can see how moved they are. And when they email me, and they always go, love to the cats. You know, you can see that they've been already taken in by these cats. So um, whether they, they think they're cat people or dog people, cats know how to reel people in. And it's very interesting how they often move towards someone who feels uncomfortable around cats, then they'll move Isn't towards it? that person <laughs> and try that. and <laughs> charm them and <laughs> seduce them and get them under their power. <laughs> so true. <laughs> the, but the last thing you must say when you walk into my place is, I'm allergic to cats, yeah. and they're all going to look at you and go, oh, there's someone to go and sit on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, are you allergic to saliva? Well, I'm going to start licking you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no, they, they are a delight, I must admit. And they create such a wonderful atmosphere in the home, I feel. Um, lovely frequency that they have. Um, so, yeah, I feel very blessed by uh, having them, that they choose to live with me. And I, that's the way I see it because they can just – leave and climb over and, and go off on their own. And um, I have had a cat before that had more than one home. It lived with us and lived with somebody else. So they've been known to have more than one home. And um, and I just recently inherited a cat. That Well, I got two from the SPCA nice. um, about four or five weeks after presence passed. Um, it was a very sad household because we lost Bocce and then we lost presence and then there were just the guys. <laughs> and then the guys started, you know, being all macho and spraying and picking oh, no. on each other and because they one of them, you see, if you only have two male cats around you, one of them is, tries to play the female role of being inside and being the inside cat. Um, so I realized a friend of mine said, look, you're going to have to get some girls. Otherwise, these guys are going to start picking on each other. And it's really it is what happened. <laughs> and so I got the girls. I got two of them. And then a week later, one a kitten arrived at my gate one night mm. when I was out doing the irrigation. And I thought it was one of my cats because I'd, I'd got a red cat in a tortoise shell. And um, um, it was a red kitten. So I thought it was one of the kittens. And then I, I came inside and I realized it wasn't. But I kind of forgot about the encounter. And then I went out next morning at about 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning with my cup of coffee. And I just walked to the gate and I said, are there any kittens around here? And this little thing came leaping Aww. over the fence and presented <laughs> itself to everybody and went and ate food, uh, drank some water, and then went and lay precisely on the couch where Presence oh. used to sleep. 
um, who had passed away four or five weeks ago, and she has the same eyes as presence oh. and um, and does similar behaviors to her. So I just go, well, maybe it's a, you know, yeah. a um, uh, sort of a spiritual memory of that, whatever, that cat has come back. Yeah. Um, but um, it's wonderful how they will show up and um, move in and um, and you have a choice am I going to ex- allow this am I going to accept this or and usually we get seduced <laughs> that's true <laughs> well I've had funny conversations with people because of the street that I live on uh, Jasper has now decided pretty much the whole street is his territory there are lots of cats around and there are some dogs so he, you know he's pretty cautious but he, I've had conversations with someone and saying, oh, yeah, mine's the white cat. Oh, yeah, that cat came inside my house the other day. And I'm like, really? Yep, <laughs> and he yep, has yep. several homes that he will go into. He, I don't think he eats there. I know that for sure there are a couple that he doesn't eat. He just goes to say hi, and then he comes back. <laughs> I never really worry about him, but he's a funny no, cat. Yes. They're, they're, it's magnificent how free and independent they are. And um the thing about cats, um, you know, like when I got these kittens, and my mother also lives in this town, she would say, aren't you worried about them getting run over? And, and I said, you know, you sometimes with cats teaches you to delegate the responsibility of God to God. Mm. And you cannot be responsible um, for, um, <clears throat> uh, for everybody's life, you know, and especially with cats. You just have to trust that they are going to be fine and one also has to become aware that once they've been living with us for a week or two they know our environment far better than we do (laughs) and so um, I'd rather them wander around and everywhere and get to know the area so that if they do need to make a quick escape they know where to go and um, but in our area we're very blessed it is um, I have a huge garden for cats and um, full of mice and (laughs) they don't there's so many mice that they'll be sleeping and the pigeons will walk past them and they'll ignore them because they, wow. they, get their, they get their full of mice every day. Wow. Yes, cats definitely love mice for sure. I, I don't think Jasper's really grasped the concept of actually eating them. He pretty much just likes to play with them. Uh, yes. I had, I had another cat that uh, he definitely learned how to eat when I'd find, you know, a tail or a foot or... Um, Or I really appreciated the one night when he brought one and it was still alive and it was on my pillow. I really appreciated that. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Well, there's there's, you. When I have to watch them, so especially when they're kittens and they bring mouse inside, because once they get bored of the mouse, then you don't know where this thing is. Exactly. And um, you'll only find out once you start to smell it. (laughs) So I have a sort of cutoff time. They bring a mouse and they get to play with it for 15 minutes. (laughs) Then I confiscate it. Otherwise, you know, I know what it leads to. So, and they've stopped bringing them in now because I do, I do teach them that that's not allowed, and eventually they get it. Right. And so they f- they find a, di- a, d- a different place to take them. And, <laughs> and yeah, they're funny. I mean, they really are. Now, you you talked about a few different concepts that I'd love to talk about. One, um, you talked about the difference between dog people and cat people. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, I can't even remember what I wrote. Oh, about really? That, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I made a, 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 a sort of a discernment that you get people that like dogs and do not like cats. Yes. They really are dog people and they, they will tolerate cats but barely. And then you get people 
that like cats and they will they don't mind dogs but they don't really want dogs on their property because it upsets the cats mm -hmm. and then you get another group of people that like dogs and cats mm -hmm. and you'll find that those people also like ducks and rabbits and all sorts of other things too so um it is really interesting to see uh, that there is definitely dog people and um there definitely are cat people and um what i've realized is that cat people prefer a quieter stiller environment um in their living space dog people seem to like more require more activity and noise around them and i think that's why they like dogs you know, it's like someone who leaves a TV on, even though they're not watching. Dogs can kind of play that role because they're always barking and running around. And, and I find dogs bark at usually nothing. <laughs> I mean, they just seem to just bark for no reason. I mean, sometimes they do bark uh, for a reason, but often they just bark because they can. And um, so they tend to be noisier. They tend to be a lot more needy. They tend to require a lot more attention. Um, I find cats are very specific in when they want attention. Like my cats, they each have their moment during the day when they need some attention from me. And they'll come to me like j just now when I'm talking to you, big guy, who's my um, my oldest. He's 12 years old and he's very big. Um, in the evening when I come and sit at the computer now, that's his time. So he comes and sits on my lap. And that's when I check him for, you know, I yes. call it flicks and tees and uh -huh. uh, and fleas and ticks and things. So I check him and he lets me check him and that's his time to be with me. If I'm not sitting down at the time he wants to be with me, he starts stalking me and pouncing, you know, sort of <laughs> at my heels, like, when are you going to sit down so I can sit on you and know that all is well with the world, you know? <laughs> and so he only has to sit on me for 5, 10, 15 minutes while I'm doing something and then he gets off and he goes and he goes to bed. But um, each cat has its moment when it requires its attention and it'll come and connect and um, and then be on its way again. So um, and dogs are the same, but um, uh, dogs always. I find dogs always behave as if you've been away for ten years. That's so true. Um, yeah. Whereas cats, cats will come and say hello, but they will behave as if even if you've been away a week, that you were only gone for five minutes. And what's mm -hmm. the big deal? And you're like, oh, I missed you. And they go, come on, you know, like really. <laughs> but dogs, I know from my mother's dog. Whenever I see my mother's dog, it behaves as if it's ne it hasn't seen me for 10 years. <laughs> and when if I go out, if I take my mother out and we go somewhere, we come home, it behaves as if it hasn't <laughs> seen my mother for 10 years. So it's always this massive excitement, you know, which is also wonderful. It's also wonderful. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> and I do. I mean, I, I adore dogs too. I'm not a dog person, but I'm friends with all the dogs in my street. So when I go down my, my street here, they all come to the gate to say hello to me and I'll pet them. And and um, if I go in the yard, uh, they always come for a good loving. And, and my mother's dog really does adore me. If I, if, she, if I phone her and say I'm coming over, the dog knows and goes and sits at the door until I arrive. And um, so, but there, there is a reason for that. And that is when my mother goes away, uh, she's the one who drops the dog off at the babysitter. I'm the one who always picks the dog up. So I'm the rescuer. She's the abandoning one. And I'm the rescuing one. So I have a very special relationship with the dog because the dog believes I'm the one who always brings it home and rescues it. <laughs> yes, there are a lot of people that believe dogs know exactly when their owner's coming home, that they have. Well, actually, of... they've filmed that. They've put um, cameras up in people's yeah. homes and have filmed at the time that they leave work and they have noticed 
the change in the the behavior of the all pets uh, the moment the the person has put their intention on coming home that the animal uh, changes its behavior and prepares for that mm-hmm. so they've noted that that and in fact they've noted that with plants i don't know if you ever read um really supernature supernature by lyle watson no. They put they put EEGs on plants, and they've shown that if you have a plant in your home, the plant is aware of you no matter how far away you are. Wow. It is absolutely intimately aware of what's going on with you. Now, they did a couple of experiments, which are very interesting. The one experiment was they put five pot plants on a desk of a professor's um, in a professor's office, and they uh, they put the plants on EEGs. And um, they got a student to walk into the office, just straight up to the five plants, pick one up and smash it on the floor. And the EEG meters, at the moment that the person did that, the EEG meters read, the reading that they gave was what they call a plant fainting. They just <gasps> they just appear to faint. Um, and then what they did is exactly a year later, they put those four plants there plus another plant, five plants back up, and they got that same student to walk into the office. And the moment that student walked in, all the plants fainted. Um, Another uh, um, experiment they did was they took a common house plant that had been on the windowsill of someone's kitchen, something like that, and they put an EEG on it. And they, 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 after questioning the owner of the plant, they discovered this person was terrified of flying especially taking off and landing and um, they put the EEG on this plant and I think the plant was like in California and the person was in New York and they were catching a plane and as the plane took off or as it landed the plant registered that person's fear wow. so it showed that the plant was completely aware of what it's uh, it, the person who takes care of it was going through and um, that's why they say the best fertilizer um, is attention, you know, oh. especially in gardening, just walking around and looking at our plants and admiring them is a fertilizer to those plants because they are as aware of us. I mean, they are so aware of us. Wow. And um, so, so if a plant is that aware, <clears throat> can imagine how aware animals are. And I know this too because um, feeding time here for if when I give them wet food, um, which is tinned food or fish. It's around three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> now I won't give it to them unless big guys here. <laughs> so they come, they come asking for it, and I go, no, 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 big guys not here. And the moment I say that, he will, he will show up because <laughs> um, he knows that he's being. And so when I, I've noticed when I think of my cats, not out of worry or concern, they don't really respond to fear. But if I am sort of um, very lightly within myself, I wonder where that cat is, and I carry on with my day it almost immediately appears at my feet. Um, it's like they know they have a, a very powerful um, ESP. and um, But it's got to be dealt with very gently. Um, it can't be forced. So I can't force my cats to come in when I want them to. But if I think about it very, very softly, detached unconditionally, they show up just to say hello because they love any encounter. It's true. Um, you mentioned in the book about where you think cats come from and how they sort of, I guess, flit in between dimensions. Talk about that. 
They definitely um, <clears throat> travel to parallel worlds. They definitely um, identify things that we would call portals. Um, I can search everywhere for a cat. <laughs> and the moment I stop and turn around, it's at my feet. And the amount of times that that happens, that there seems to be a portal that they can get to you from anywhere. And they, they, they simply appear. Uh, they don't sort of come strolling in. You look, they're, they're there. So I've had that many times um, when I've, especially inside a, uh, a confined space where you just can't find them at all. Right. And then you wonder where they are and then you stop thinking about it. And the next thing they're just sitting at your feet looking up at you and going, I've been here all along, didn't you see me? <laughs> so they they definitely have um, otherworldly capacities. And um, I definitely believe in parallel worlds and being able to hop in in between. I think it happens to humans all the time. We just don't identify it because we're often not so not present enough to know that it's happened but um i think all animals can do it uh, because they don't think about it and uh, because we're such complex beings i think a lot of that's closed off to us because we're in our thinking place too much mm. but um cats definitely are um, and i think that's possibly why uh, the egyptians worship them uh, because they realize that they are um, quite um, unique in that, you know, a cat can kill in one moment in absolutely cold blood and then be purring and loving in the next. And um, both the states the cat regards as equal. It doesn't favor either state. Like we, we try and favor one or another state. I want to be an, a good person or I don't want to be a bad A cat doesn't have that going for it. It's something in front of it and it wants to play with it until it dies. It'll play with it until it dies. And it loves it until it dies. It's not playing with it because it doesn't like it. It's its favorite thing in that moment. It's mm -hmm. the thing that it loves the most that it's busy killing, you see. <laughs> so they are... They are um, um, uh, and they also come into our dreams and so in the way they appear in our lives, you know, they're, they are um, quite mysterious beings. Hmm. And do you really think they're from another world? Um, no, I think the cats um, and all animals pretty much represent our um, what we would call our spiritual side mm. <clears throat> and it engages with gauges with us in a manner that's easiest for us to to uh, to work with so um, I see that there's really only one cat mm. and it has many forms there's really only one dog and it has many forms and um, the cats engage with us in a way, you know, they can get closer to us than we will allow other human beings. Mm. So they can go deeper into our heart space than often we will allow other human beings. And that's why um, often when we lose a cat we can, or a dog, we can be sometimes more traumatized than if we lose a family member um, because we've allowed that, that um because we don't really have language with them. I mean, we use language, we talk to our cats and all that, but uh, I feel they relate to our vibration or our resonance um, more than they do to our words. They, they will relate to our tone, of course. And, of course, they do eventually recognize words like their names they will eventually recognize. And I do have a, a word for feeding time that they recognize. So they do recognize things, but generally they relate to us on a more subtle level. And um, 
Uh, and I and I think that that can be disturbing for some people. Don't really enjoy that, and that's probably why they're not. Um, they want a more obvious communication, which a dog will give you a much more obvious uh, direct communication than a cat will um, often give. A cat has many different ways of um, communicating, and often ESP. Um, so I don't know that they're from other worlds. <clears throat> I think that they're. They are uh, part of our spiritual world, so they're they're part of. They come to us because we are so disconnected from what we would call our spirit or our um, another word for it is our non-physical. We're so disconnected from that in this world that it requires something like a cat or a dog um, to come to us and engage us in a way that we would be engaging towards our own spirit in a way. And and we love them in that way, and we let them as into the center of our heart as we would our own uh, spirit self or whatever. Um, so I don't know so much about other worlds, and they maybe do. Um, I I wonder where this kitten came from that just arrived at my gate, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because it arrived out of nowhere um, that night and it just appeared and it moved in as it as if it had always lived here it was complex completely accepted by all the other cats immediately and um, so that to me is sort of otherworldly activity um, but I think I have a feeling cats um, occupy many worlds while they're alive that they have a capacity to move in and out of um, worlds, and especially because cats can uh, sleep sometimes up to 85% of their life, of their daytime, they can sleep. And I don't really think they're sleeping. Um, they're just letting the body go, and then they're they're playing somewhere else. Mm. So they, they appear to have that capacity. I don't think a cat needs to be sleeping for 10 hours a day. But if, if I know that, um, for example, if I go away for four or five hours or six hours I drive somewhere often I come back and they're in exactly the same spot I when I left <laughs> um, they've, they just haven't moved because I wasn't there and I wasn't stirring things you know um, energy around the place and moving about which they love to participate in so when that's not happening they go off and they go somewhere else and um, I guess presence showed me that by coming to me when I was in the States and then coming to me again when I was in Aberdeen and letting me know that they were having problems. And, um, and so they have their way of, of communicating that is really profound, really profound. And I'm sure people that are, um, you know, dog lovers would also have a similar interactions with their dogs that I may not um, associate with, you know, as, as the same as cats. But, um, Pets definitely are something we let much closer into our hearts than we do many human beings. And therefore, they can also um, grab onto things that are hidden in our hearts and pull them out for us mm. um, that we won't allow other people to do. And they may often do that when they depart. And so when they depart, something in us really gets pulled out and we get we can look at, you know, um, unresolved things around death and et cetera, et cetera, illness or whatever that have that have come to us in the past yeah that's i mean that's a part of what you talk about and i think it's interesting that you say that 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 is something that happens that cats can 
help us with that. I mean, I'm kind of a one cat woman, so I only have one yes. cat at a time. And I think that's partially because I don't want to become the crazy cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> right? Too late. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> if you've got a cat there, they'll turn you into a crazy cat lady. Even if you only have one, they'll work on you. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you see, I'm not a cat person. In other words, I don't, I'm not a cat person like someone who goes and gets a cat magazine or who looks at oh, cat no. pictures, who puts up cat pictures. <laughs> I'm not that type of cat person. I pretty much like my cats. And if I meet cats in my world, I always befriend them and say hello to them. But I'm partial to my cats. You know, I like my cats. I'm not just mad about all cats. I'm not um, that way inclined. So there is a distinction between a cat person who goes onto the Internet and looks at pictures of cats all day (laughs) because that's what they love to do. And they've got mugs with cats on and they've got pictures in their house with cats. And, you know, that's that's another type of cat person. I'm not that sort of cat person. At all, um, I don't have any pictures of cats. I don't collect pictures of cats. I'm not interested in anyone else's cat, really. I enjoy mine. Um, but even if you only have one cat, they'll still turn you into a cat person. <laughs> they just know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. what I, what comes to mind always with the crazy cat lady is, you know, the woman who's always alone but has like ninety cats around and. You know, there yes. you can't walk anywhere without hitting. Yeah, that's that's yes. kind of. I mean, I don't. I mean, I have a very small place, so I don't think yes. it would have accommodate yes. a lot of cats. But you know, I it's funny because I I think about that, but I don't I don't know if I could have because I give so much of my love and attention to the one. I wonder, you know, as you. No, they all have such different personalities, and. Um, I have five cats. Now, I used to have four and I, and two passed on. And then I went and got another two, two little girls uh, to balance things out here in the home. And then another one showed up. And I really noticed that there's a big difference between four cats and five cats. Hmm. It suddenly, it really is a, I noticed I suddenly said, oh, I've got too many cats now. And I said, well, you only got one more than you ever had. <laughs> And it just feels like a lot, you know. But actually it's not because um, I would struggle with five dogs. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I think that was a huge amount of tension and a huge amount of of um, of outlay of energy just to keep it all together with five dogs. But cats, you know, they tend to do their own thing. And um, I'm all for having two cats because um, they they the cats teach each other how to be cats. And um, that also can be important, um, but it, it doesn't matter. Cats are so adaptable. They they, they um, if you only have one cat, then they will they they will adapt to that. Um, but I have noticed, and if you're a social person with your cat, then they'll become more social. Mm-hmm. But I have definitely um, since I started getting cats myself and decided, okay, I want to have cats. I've always got them in twos, so that they have each other and they're less. Um, focused on me Mm. if I only had one cat I know it would just be me 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 all the time (laughs) but because I have more than one they run off and they play with each other and um, they also get very active with each other which is very good for motor development and all these things that kittens need to go Mm. through um, when they're small and um, yeah I mean it's different for everybody as to how they they uh, they relate to these wonderful creatures Hmm. true 
There's a new movie coming out. I know you talked. We've already talked about the dogs, but it's called The Purpose. The Purpose of Dogs, or anyway, it looks mm-hmm. lovely because it's a, it's about yes. a puppy who grows up and then goes into one life and the next life and the next life and the next life. Yes. And it, it it sounds it looks lovely. Um, yes, I could imagine a very interesting movie about the lo- purpose of cats. <laughs> yes, <laughs> be very different. Well, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not sure what I feel about reincarnation, <clears throat> the okay. idea or the concept or anything, but I have noticed because I've had cats now for many years, I've noticed cats coming back over and over again, um, and it becomes undeniable that it's a very similar energy, even similar habits and things. So um, you know, cats may also just have one life and many forms that they take in that life. Um, it's hard to know, hmm. um, but I've definitely had cats come back over and over. I seem to have two specific cats. No matter how many cats I have, there are two particular ones that seem to come back over and over and over again. And um, they're even, you know, even since I lost Bocce, who was with me for 12 years, one of the two that I adopted from the SPCA does everything she does, behaves like her, starting to talk like her. And I don't know whether I bring it out in a cat. I'm really open to the fact that maybe I do. And has chosen, like, it's, it hangs around with me all day. It sleeps where Bocce sleeps. And then the other one that arrived at the gate is behaving exactly like presence, sleeps where presence um, go, jumps into the shower the moment I get out to lick the water on the floor, which no other cat does, but presence always used to do. And so I notice these things, and um, I'm also open to the fact that me being a wonderful creator that I am, I am, I am just recreating. You know, I'm shaping this animal without even realizing I'm doing it, mm-hmm. and it's just allowing for it because it just loves all the attention. But um, over the years, I have noticed I've had two cats, and I do talk about that in the book, mm-hmm. of how these two particular cats seem to show up over and over again and they have very very specific personalities and um, usually they show up as sisters and um, one is kind of introverted and the other one is more extroverted etc etc and um, I, you know, I wonder if people who've had dogs all their lives may see that in their dogs too or, or just maybe recognize oh that's a, that dog is behaving in a familiar way hmm. I mean we can't know um, but it is rather that's what's so mysterious about cats mm-hmm. is um, you know all these things about them that they do seem to come back in different forms. They do seem to be able to travel between worlds to disappear and reappear. They mm-hmm. they have profound ESP. Um, my cats know when I'm upset. My cats know if I'm in pain. Um, they, they're very, um, they, they even know when I need to get up early, they'll come and wake me up and I'll go, I don't feel like getting up. And then I get up and there's been a reason why I had to get up. (laughs) And so they, you know, they are, that's why I say they, they they're almost the spiritual aspect of our lives in the world that we can see in a tangible way and engage and we can call them cats, but their unconditional love there, all of that is mirroring that part of us that we so aspire to become one with. You see, so um, while we're not or not completely integrated with it, likely we are going to have something outside of us that will mirror it more closely. Right. I think I just, as you were talking, realized that. 
there must have been a life where I, you know, was, okay, and we're going to talk about the reincarnation thing after this, but, you know, the whole familiar thing with the, you know, the Wiccan or the witch that has, yes. you know, the one cat that's sort of the guide yes. that's sort of there. And I feel very... Well, I'm looking at your picture now and all you do need is a pointed hat and with your little <laughs> wife cat. <laughs> It'd be just fine. <laughs> I can, yes. I can see that lifetime quite clearly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Now I believe we only have one life. Okay. Um I, I feel we only have one life, but not as in I only live once. I don't aspire to that at all. I think that's a quite a quite a um a thing that uh, Christianity did to us to say this is your only life and right. you better get it right in this life, otherwise that's it. And uh, it's the only, it's the only, as far as I, uh, my research, the only religion that actually believes that and has put that down. Um, every other religion that I've looked at l doesn't say that. It says, you know, we pretty much go on forever in some form or another. Some believe in transmigration, so they say, you know, you start off as a blade of grass or as an atom or whatever, and you work your way up. Sure. Through the different forms, from insect to bird to mammal, eventually. And eventually you get to cow, dog, and cat. And from cow, dog, and cat, you go to human. So that's transmigration. And, of course, there's people that believe in reincarnation. And they believe, oh, I was Marie Antoinette and I was, you know, I was um, this famous person over there and I was that famous mm -hmm. person over there. So I don't, <clears throat> I don't look at reincarnation like that. I feel I've connected with a part of myself that has always existed. Um and has never not been here. It has no beginning and no ending. So I completely acknowledge that part of myself. And um, that to me is the one life. Okay. Uh, that life goes on forever and ever and ever. It never has a beginning and it never has an end. And it can take on many forms, but it's still the same life that's uh, okay. going on. And I look at it that way rather than, uh, you see, because I, I can't see myself as being someone else. <laughs> you know, I am I am what I am. I am that I am and I can't for a moment see how I could suddenly become somebody else. Even if I have to throw this body off and then take on another one, I still would be me. I wouldn't be yeah. somebody else. And I have been fortunate enough to leave my body when I had a near death experience. Um, and to see that I was still me, even though my body was dead on the bed, I was still me. Mm. It didn't change anything about what I am. And so I get that I am, that I am, that I am, that I am. And on that level, I'm quite happy that I go on forever, which is why I think it's very important to have good company and a good hobby if it goes on forever. <laughs> but other than that, um, I think we can be limited in our reincarnation idea and think, okay, I was a particular person. Yes, and that, I get that. I think that's a little limiting. Yes. Although um, we may have had many... Because we've lived forever, we've had m millions of life experiences, but it's all, to me, the same life that's playing out. I, I would definitely agree with that, yes. I wasn't sure how you were placing that, but yes, I get it. I get it. Yeah. That. Well, I can only go by my, you know, the experience yeah. that I have at hand, and um, I have connected with that part of myself that is, is a forever part, and I can't yeah. deny that. And so um, when I see, the, see that part of myself, I can't see how that could ever be extinguished and how it could itself become something else. It is what it is. 
and it can have many expressions, but it's always going to boil down to, well, here I am again. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> this life, I'm a cat lover. Last life, I was a dog lover. Before that or whatever, but it's still Oh, well, that was going to be one of my questions. Do you think you were always yes. a cat person? <laughs> um, I definitely resonate with cats on a very deep level, but yeah. because I came in to this experience for my first 12 or 14 years I only had dogs around me and so many of them Hmm. um, I I would I would suspect that that was because I was somehow involved with dogs before and I do love dogs and I enjoy them I just don't want to own them and I don't one thing I like about cats is I don't have to walk around with a spade picking up their shit. Excuse my language. But um, but for dogs, you have to do that because they don't care, you know, where they do it. And yeah. I've always gone, hang on a moment, that's a bit odd. <laughs> but cats are very clean and they go and you never know, but they're going to hide it away somewhere. Yep. And um, But I think um, I, I, it's likely I have been involved with dogs before to have had such an intense involvement with dogs in this lifetime, yeah. and um, and I'm open to the fact that I, you know, maybe I was out hunting and had hunting dogs before, mm. and um, who knows what uh, lifetime dogs may have been involved. Mm. But I'm, I, you know, and I love horses as much as mm. I love cats, but I've never had horses, which is also very strange. I adore horses, Me and um, it is still one of my intentions to have. Uh, stable and two horses and to be to ride to the shops rather than go in my car because mm. uh, you can do that in a small town which would be fun mm-hmm. um, but it is strange to me I wasn't engaged with horses when I was young because my sister used to ride but she used to put me on the horse first to see how the horse was <laughs> and I always used to get thrown off and oh, so no. my my encounters with horses were never good at when I was young I never learned to ride I'm always kind of wary of them, but as I, whenever I, I come across horses, I just feel my heart. You know, the same with cats that I just want to reach out and say hello, and and um, so it is interesting the things that we gravitate towards, and that may still not come into our life, even though we feel. And to me, that's in the East. They uh, in India they call it samskara or, or impressions. Right. impressions of past experiences that are coming through. So in this lifetime, I did have a big impression around dogs. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been surrounded by dogs for the first 12 years. And a lot of dogs, always helping giving birth to litters, mm-hmm. holding dogs at shows, going into these field trials with dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, until, until I left home, and then I never had another dog live with me. Because from the moment I had sort of ownership over my own space, it was a cat territory. And it's been like that since. It's it's interesting. I I would uh, I would be with you there on the the whole horse thing. I, I, there's some intelligence in a horse that some gentleness that is just not in anything else that I've ever encountered. It, there's something about yeah. a horse. There's a place in Arizona. I don't know if it's still uh, run, but it's a horse a place where they have a lot of horses. And um, what they do is they take people there who are having emotional problems or psychological problems, and autism. And, um, Autism's pardon? big. Autism is big too. Yeah, autistic. yeah. And what they do is they get the person to walk into the middle of the paddock, mm-hmm. and then one horse will approach them, 
and and then that horse is their facilitator for the entire day and what they do is they they brush the horse and then they 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 work with the horse all the day but they don't the horse is actually working with them and the horses apparently know exactly what they're doing and i've seen that you know to some extent when i used to do a lot of um rebirthing and we had about five or six cats at that time in Arizona. And it was very obvious that certain cats gravitated towards certain people um, and were facilitating them uh, in a certain way. So, um, And that's why I tend to feel that the animal world can, in a way, represent our spiritual self that we want to connect with, that we want to facilitate us and we want to engage with. And it's very difficult in this time to do that. And so it happens through the animal kingdom we can have the same unconditional love the same connection the same facilitation um uh, without language getting in the way and all of that can come through the animals and as long as we require it i think it's going to be something that's going to be very important to humans yeah i I think it's important i you know they say that dogs teach you unconditional love um, and cats teach you self-love Yes. Um, I, yes. I think pets are very important for everybody because you're right. We do open up in a sense more, um, more, there's yeah, dogs, much, yeah, much more yes. heart, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Dogs. Um, my intuition has been that dogs were about loyalty mm. and, um, and, um, uh, cats are also, I have, my intuition was cats are also about self-love. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, but I always saw dogs as a loyalty medicine Interesting. and, um, I don't know what, if, if that makes me very unloyal or something, but no. <laughs> 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 or, or, or on the other side, I just love myself too much. That's why I got the cats. I don't know what it is. <laughs> or not enough. Who knows? I don't want to think too much about these things or make too many rules <laughs> or, you know. Just keep it a little bit wide open. But um, yeah, one does notice, I mean, especially people that are in a recuperation, especially people in an, in what we call an old age home, um, when you bring um, a cat or a dog or something in there, the life that it brings in and the joy that it brings in, and the animal knows that what it's doing, it knows that it's having this effect. Yeah. And um, it's profound um, of a person that is withdrawn, even uh, children that are withdrawn, and you provide that uh, forum of um, you know having an animal around and how it brings people out of themselves. Yeah. And um, so it is a they have a profound uh, <clears throat> they they are a profound part of our human experience. Yeah. And I couldn't I think if we did not have cats and dogs around us um it would be a bitter cold world yeah it really would be a bitter cold world because they do bring warmth where there isn't any and they do bring love where there isn't any and they do bring companionship where there isn't any and um they give a lot of people a reason to go home who wouldn't Mm -hmm. want to go home you know Mm -hmm. so it they do they really are um and i think that's why it's so hard for us to see animals that are mistreated and hurt Uh, especially yes. people who um, who love animals cannot understand how a human being can mistreat or starve to death or you know neglect an animal to the point that it's it's in such distress. It's 
they're definitely um you know i see it i see it here where i live and i'm sure people others see it where people get dogs just for security reasons um and those dogs receive no love they're left outside they're 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 bought to protect a property or protect something and they become these paranoid aggressive Mm. angry creatures because they are kind of reflecting what their owners want Mm. you know and um so it's, it'd be terrible. I wouldn't like to be part of a relationship if I was brought in out of somebody's fear, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Not out of love, but out of fear. Mm-hmm. And then there are people that can just go away for a week and not even be concerned that they leave their animals at home. Whereas I'm, you know, I don't get a house sitter. I get a cat sitter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just like I make it very sure if someone, if I go away and someone comes, you're not here to look after my house. My house doesn't need looking after. <laughs> my cats do. You are here as a cat sitter. You know? <laughs> and if the cats don't like you, you won't be back. You know, and if you don't like cats, you probably shouldn't be here. So. Um, you know, we people that love animals and have that heart connection. It's very, it's very hard to um, <clears throat> to understand how people can mistreat and hurt an animal. Um, it's always a very difficult thing to have to look at. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are pretty much at our hour. Is there anything that I haven't touched upon that you would like to leave our listeners with? Well, no. I think we we covered the gamut. We um, did. Uh, it's been. It's, I just want to say it's been absolutely awesome talking to you again after so long. I know. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to News for the Heart. We've been getting to the heart of what matters. You want to get this whether you are a cat lover or not. It is called Cat Tales for Mariette, and Michael Brown is an amazing author. And uh, I hope we hear from you soon again. If not, I will wait until your next one, and whenever that will be, we will connect. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Have a question for Laurie and want to be on the next News from the Heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.